Hey folks, Zach Nostrum here, AIM Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Monday, September 11th, 2023. Um, trying to be a little quieter here because we're actually doing this in person, but we're doing it in the... the it feels like day. we're doing it in a library now that you're whispering like that. Yeah. <laughs> grumble, grumble. Um, we are upstairs. We're in the, I guess, the balcony, as it were, of uh, the Hinky Hall of Champions because Indiana has just wrapped up all of its Monday press availability, the highlight of which is that Indiana has a publicly named starting quarterback. It is Taven Jackson. Tom Allen announced at the, at the end of his opening remarks today, we spoke to Allen, we spoke to Walt Bell, we spoke to Taven Jackson. Um, I think the first thing to say is it's it's maybe not so much a surprise that it's Jackson as it's a, it's a surprise that Tom Allen revealed it, but I think there's maybe a desire to just sort of be able to sort of shed everything that has surrounded the questions about quarterback these last few months and just sort of move forward operating with a clear number one. Yeah, you allow your team to rally around that guy and that guy to sort of, uh, you know, you want him to be the face of the program, you want him to be the face of that locker room and sort of be able to put a stamp on it. And if, you know, you have to be quiet about it and not let it leak and, you know, you have to kind of step on eggshells for another week. And, I mean, to be to be honest, after coming out of that game, did Louisville really think it was going to not be Jackson? I mean, I don't know. I, you know, just seeing the way that unfolded, um, I, I think it was the smart decision. I think it was the right decision based on everything um, we've seen kind of going back through fall camp. Um, in these two games, I think they really separated themselves. You know, Jackson, I, I don't know, was the I, I, thought, I thought was the clear choice. I mean, he was 18 of 21. I don't have my box in front of him. I think it was 236 yards, and he had the rushing touchdown against Indiana State. Obviously, that was the game where, where both quarterbacks opened up a little bit more passing the ball. Um, you know, I think the thing that we both said coming out of both games was you just felt like when things went up to game speed, Jackson looked a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more poised. Not that – I mean, Sorsby looked you know better than maybe I would have thought – going back to spring either of them might have looked um and you never know quite what you're looking at in spring camp and you know where you are in install and what you're actually working on but i think they've both like markedly improved from what we saw from them in spring but there's always an extent to which you know there's stuff that you can't simulate for a quarterback in a practice setting not least because you're not going to let them get hit um you're not going to let them get tackled or sacked and so when it did move up to game speed, and of course Ohio State and Indiana State are two very different challenges, but when it went up to when it went up a level, it it just seemed like Jackson was just that little bit more poised. That little, you know, Tom Allen used the word moxie, I think, multiple times the last couple of weeks. Just that little bit of um, sort of smooth edge at game speed that I think maybe just elevated him in, in a lot of different areas. Well, and yeah, when you look at what Tom Allen said about moving the ball, I mean, um, Jackson got 12 drives to Brandon Sorsby, seven, um, and six of those for Jackson resulted in points. Um, and so, you know, a by far better percentage. Um, you know, obviously the offense right out of the gate, you know, scored three straight touchdowns with Jackson, and that was kind of the best the offense had looked um, all season. You know, the numbers were decidedly in his advantage, kind of both individually and team-based. Um, and so, you know, um, and then you kind of start parsing the, you know, how they played, how they looked in the pocket, how they looked running the ball. You know, and I said one of the X factors, that, which which I still think we're, we're going to wait to see, is, um, you know, they didn't run really any of the option stuff against Indiana State. I thought that was going to be a, to Jackson's advantage just because what we, the limited we saw against Ohio State and just his mobility uh, would help him run that if they're going to, you know, fully incorporate that now going forward um, as they kind of get to the meat of their schedule. So that's it's another interesting. thing. I mean, Walt Bell brought that up. He said he's a, you know, for a guy who does have 
you know, kind of a basketball player's body. He's long. He's, he's you know, he's rangy. You know, Bell said he's a physical runner, which I think is important because, it, you know, it's, it's one thing to just be, like, fast and athletic. It's another thing to understand how to take a blow, how to deliver a blow, when to step out of bounds, when to lower your shoulder, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, Bell, that observation is interesting to me because ultimately, even going back to high school, Taven Jackson, a lot of people evaluated him as a pocket passer. I think people understood that he had the athleticism to hurt you both ways. But he went to Elite 11, you know, obviously he went to Tennessee, which is, you know, one of the sort of standard bearers for quarterback play right now in college football. And um, if Indiana is going to do more of that stuff, it was just interesting to me that that Bell singled out that skill as well. Yeah, and um, (laughs) I I will see how much they run it, you know, see how the kind of the game develops because they got out of it against Ohio State, you know, so quickly because the game, how the game developed. But it'll be interesting to see how much they commit to it, um, especially with, you know, a couple of receivers might be injured. We don't know the status of E.J. Williams. We don't know, you know, if Cam Camper was just sort of cautionary sort of taking him out of the lineup. You know, they committed to the run last week. And they, they ran it. Uh, you know, Christian Turner was limited too. If he's going to be fully healthy, what does that backfield look like? What does that, that all look like? And Jackson now kind of gets to show what he can do in that, in that sort of setting. I mean, he showed, like as we said, they came out passing the ball, and I think they wanted film of that last week because they just didn't get any of that against Ohio State. Jackson kind of ticked that box, and now we got to kind of see – uh, a little more of him running some more of those reads that, that that are resulting in runs, not just the play action passes that he ran against Indiana State. And it's also interesting to think about, you know, if you're Louisville, obviously you can look at some film with David Jackson in high school. And of course, you know, Jeff Brom and his staff will be familiar with him having been at Purdue when, when Jackson was in high school. Um, but you, you have a real question about what you're kind of facing from Indiana here. Or, or you know, did they, you know, to your point, um, when they ran the ball so so much against Ohio State, was that just by design against Ohio State? Was that something that Indiana really wants to feature going forward when they passed it? I think, what, something like 36, 37 times to 20-something runs against Indiana State? Was that because actually they're going to be more of a pass-first team like they've been the last couple of years? Or was it more about matchups and not just quarterbacks, but we need to get our receivers some touches. We need to get some rhythm in our passing game. So we have some, you know, some, some kind of, I guess the, the coaching term, the in the invoke coaching term is banked reps. And one draw. of the things you mentioned to me was that last year they did run the triple option the first half, at least with Dexter Williams against Purdue, yeah. essentially. So they'll have, I mean, he had, Brown specifically has saw seen what they what they did, and that Michigan State game would be the film of that that they would probably go back to if they're going to run some of those concepts. Yeah, Purdue more so. But yeah, definitely. I mean, some Michigan State Purdue definitely was winning. It seemed almost like they were holding that back for the Purdue game in some respects. And then, of course, you know, Dexter Williams gets hurt, and that kind of blows everything up. But um, I think the other just sort of interesting element of this to me, and and I mentioned this somewhere last week, I don't remember where, um, I think Louisville played on Thursday night last week against Murray State. The... That means that I don't know what Akron's schedule is like, but I know that every Big Ten team Indiana plays from here until the end of the season doesn't have a bye week before they play Indiana. Indiana mm-hmm. does not play a team coming off. Unless I'm Akron, maybe I'm not sure. Louisville have a couple extra days, um, but Indiana will not play a Big Ten opponent or Louisville coming off a true bye week this year, and that's meaningful when you are trying to prepare for a triple team. Um, because you know the 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 numbers are pretty 
pronounced, pronounced <laughs> um, in the difference when you have that extra week to really not just sort of crash course your way into, into you know, defending a triple option, but to really like build out first a scout team look for it, lots of film, lots of walkthrough, and then take it to the practice field. And so I guess the other thing I'm curious about, not just with Louisville, obviously Louisville's maybe the first potential sort of bellwether for this, but, you know, is that also something Indiana might look at the schedule and say, you know, we might have some advantages here when there's not going to be a team on our schedule that's going to get two full weeks to prepare for us. It's going to be a lot lot quicker turnaround. Well, Louisville has the disadvantage of really not knowing what they're going to I – mean, yeah. they, they could go the opposite direction. I, I mean, I, you know, it, if you're Louisville, you don't really know what this offense is going to look like, I don't think, to come out of the game with Taven Jackson necessarily. No. I mean, you've got some proof of concept with what they did passing-wise against the State, but – which way do they go? Who do they lean on? I think that's still a question mark. And like you know, I said, that'll be a little bit of advantage. And maybe that's why uh, Tom Allen just said we can reveal the quarterback because our offense is going to be a mystery anyway. Like whoever's running it doesn't matter as much. They're still going to have to struggle to figure out what we're going to do. I did think Friday, I keep wanting to say Saturday. Um, I said it today twice in the interviews too. It's, yeah. it's hard. I mean, used to assume, but um, – Friday also felt important for some of those skill guys. Omar Cooper is an obvious example, but I thought Donovan McCulley had a good day. Um, we don't know the extent of Cam Camper's injury. He had a good day before the injury. You know, I, I know a lot of people are worried about sort of the re-injury of the ACL. I guess I'd be a little bit surprised if they left him in pads because he was in pads just without, just without his helmet on the sideline. Yeah. In the second half of that game, I'd be a little surprised if they had genuine concern that it was some sort of re-injury. They didn't go take him out and go put him on value. crutches yeah, yeah, or take yeah. him to the hospital or something like that. Um, you know, even a, even a Jalen Lucas who, you know, I imagine Jalen Lucas knows well what he can do, but just having, again, that experience of, okay, this is what it looks like when the offense is in rhythm and, you know, Indiana was hitting on some big plays, but also just had some drives, you know, I mean, Jackson captained all five touchdown drives on Saturday, Friday, and um, there were some drives in there that were just kind of long, methodical, third down conversions, you know. Well, I said good, I, good gains I, on first down to set up second down, that kind of stuff. One of the things I pointed out in the story I wrote about kind of who made the case was that 13 play, 90 yard drive. There was an explosive uh, play on that. I mean, Jackson was in quarterback, he converted a third down, uh, made throws to sort of every spot on the field. Like that was sort of like, and that was when they left him in late in the game when they could have probably take him out and give Soresby another look. And then the next drive was a longer one too. Uh, he scores the touchdown. That, that was sort of the section that I thought of that game that sort of pushed it over the top for me just you know jackson sort of like that's what you want the offense to look like that 13 play 90 yard drive i mean you want to have the explosive plays in there quicker drives like you had in the start but um they want to be able to um you know control the ball have you know do a lot of different things with all the different options they have you know you mentioned dequeese carter he got in it uh involved when swordsby's in, in the game but you know another guy that sort of got a couple catches and and got involved and i think that um you know like you said that stretch of the game was really good for not just jackson but the whole offense that um it sort of felt to me like that's what indiana wants to be this year yeah i think quickly on the defense not quickly but um you know, Matt Guerrero kind of shot this down Monday when we asked him about it. But well, he sort of said he doesn't set those on a fish, like officially. Yeah. But like, Lenel Carr like, said, their goal yeah. is fifty yards yeah. of total offense allowed. Yeah. Now, I don't care who you're playing; that's a pretty lofty goal in yeah. a college football game. And they actually didn't fall that far <laughs> short of it. They still allowed under hundred yards of offense, first time in four years. Um, what strikes me above everything else is that it just seems like Indiana is already comfortable sort of asking for big things from this defense. That, that there's a, 
you know, I think I think this coaching staff believed that they had something like this, and let's let's not make them out to be, you know, a historic defense yet, and they probably won't be. But the, I think the coaching staff believed it had it had rebuilt that defense, a good solid unit, lots of experience with transfers and maybe some young guys coming up. But you don't know what you have until you play, and you know, Ohio State was a good day for that defense. I think it's fair to say Indiana State. Again, even relative to expectations and, and competitive level was maybe even better. And what's interesting is, is how sort of open everyone seems to be to the idea of just kind of embracing, oh, but we're going to keep pushing the bar further north. When we talk about play calling, I mean, when, when I went back and watched that, I mean, McElroy didn't blitz very much, you know, a couple of times against Indiana State. I think they're going to bring a little more pressure yeah. going forward yeah. just based on kind of schematically what they've done. You know, they're going to work they're, they're they're happy that they can rush four now, but like once they start bringing pressure on top of, you know, the cuz you know, Allen likes to disguise things. Once they start adding that in, I mean, it could give some teams and especially some quarterbacks that haven't seen those things some problems. You talk about um, uh, Plummer this week uh, against uh, Louisville because um, it's not just going to be that front four going forward. I mean, they, they're, that's good that they can get pressure. They've established they can get pressure at four. Now you add in that uh, other elements that you've traditionally seen in Allen's defense. Um, it, it could give some quarterbacks some problem and even, I think, elevate this defense because right now I think they've been vanilla because – they didn't really need to kind of break things out. You know, Ohio State was good. You know, they, they played a lot of 4-3 and stuff like that, but didn't, again, were more conservative, you know, obviously because of their team speed. You couldn't get beat. But, um, you know, they've gotten to the quarterback uh, against Indiana State with just the four, and I think this week will be a true test of, like, now they're going to start throwing, I think, more at this, these guys and, and get into some different situations, maybe create some more turnovers, and I think that's the sort of next step for them. I think the other encouraging thing, and injuries will always be a part of this, but – it's felt like Indiana has been able to rotate a fair amount at most spots without, you know, th- there have been years where Indiana's had maybe a really good sort of first 11 on defense, but yeah. you, you could see a really pronounced drop-off um, when those guys had to step out of the game just for, you know, for, for fatigue reasons. Again, it's it's two games and two pretty extreme sort of points of comparison, but it has felt like, you know, maybe there have been years where Indiana's had a, a better linebacker or a better corner in terms of like just individual talent but it felt like it feels like the collective so far for this defense has been very good even when indiana's gone from ones to twos or when indiana's maybe gone from you know heavy fronts to pass rush looks or you know you talk about going to the four three i mean geez i, I thought and I, I don't know if we talked about this last week or i talked about it with somebody else but i i, I thought it was interesting that indiana it felt like indiana kind of made ohio state go to those heavy sets because ohio state thought it would be able to run the ball a lot in a much more straightforward way against Indiana. Yeah. And it got out there and discovered that it had to go two tight ends. It had to be, you know, it had to go heavier because it needed to run the ball to make life easier for a young quarterback. And it couldn't against Indiana. And I think it's just, it's, again, it's only two weeks, but if you're Indiana, I think you're also encouraged that it seems like you've been able to do some rotations, some personnel matchups, and you haven't really been in a lot of moments where you felt like the defense was really badly exposed for you know, basically talent or that rotation. Well, I think that's nowhere, that's been very heavy in the secondary where it's not just the transfers. You've got the development of Philip Dunham and Jamari Sharp in particular. 
adding to that transfer depth and that's made it sort of um uh, i think much easier to kind of keep guys fresh back there i mean nick tumor um has been one of the standouts but he's gotten some rest in between there uh safety is kind of the same way they got josh uh, is it sanguetti sanguinetti. sanguinetti um uh you know as a backup to dunham to keep him fresh and, and um so i think that that's where you've seen that i mean because magnum far and um casey really haven't come out of the game you know no. other than just kind of at the end of that the Indiana State game, but in the secondary, I think you've really seen that, um, and, and I think that's been to their, um, you know, uh, advantage. Lewis Moore too, who is not new in the sense that he transferred in last year. We saw him kind of grow into last season, but you know, Allen's defenses have, have always been really good in the secondary when they've had guys that it's not like they don't have a position, but but you know, they're just sort of capable of just popping up where they need to. Jamar Johnson was was kind of that way. Um, you know, Marcelino Ball, obviously a very different body type, but, you know, was, was kind of that way. Um, it does feel like Moore is, is one of those guys where you can sort of say, well, this is the position he's technically lining up at. But through these first couple of weeks, he has taken some real strides, clearly, from last year. And I think he showed flashes uh, in terms of just being one of those players that kind of turns up where he's needed. Just yeah, well, really it just, just shows play. that they've developed in talent internally for some of these guys too. Not just you know, I mean, we knew all the transfers were going to come in and, and get playing time, but they've they've got some guys internally that they've they've taken a step forward, and I think that's made a big difference. You know, you can't just rely on Andre Carter to get to the quarterback. I mean, you needed some other pieces, um, and they've gotten production sort of out of out of all these guys around the transfers, and I think that's sort of elevated the defense. The one area where, and we expected this, the defensive line. You mentioned Carter, Linnell Carr. You know, even really just the last two cycles, we've seen a lot of Miles Jackson, Ladarius Cox, um, Philip Bleedy had yeah. some some good moments on on Friday night. Um, it does feel like the you know the the most sort of ad advert as advertised group on that defense is that line that has been largely rebuilt through the portal and pretty successfully at least to this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of wait to hesitant to declare it like mission accomplished. But, I mean, you know, they've got to be feeling encouraged by what they've seen. Uh, you know, the four sacks uh, on Friday night, I got it right, were I think three by transfers, uh, Burris, Carter, um, and then uh, I can't remember who had the other one. But, um, I think Carr had at least one. Oh, yeah, Carr had the other one, and the, the walk-on had the, the fourth one. So yep. three of the four were by the transfers. So, I mean, that's kind of what you wanted, and they've gotten push sort of consistently. I mean, look, look, they only dropped back, I think it was 15 times in that game, and they were sacked four times. So, yeah, I mean, was clearly not. They, was they did not, not Indiana did not want to throw the ball. No, but when they – I mean, so, like, I mean, there were very limited opportunities to kind of pressure the quarterback, and they still got four sacks. So that's that's encouraging. Um and you know that they made they they had more quarterback pressure significantly more than they did a year ago against Ohio State, uh, made you know their quarterback sort of uncomfortable at times, especially at the end of that that's that first half. So um, yeah, I mean you don't want to say like you know it's done because I think they have to you know a couple more games here to sort of get you show they can get the quarterback down. Um, but really, yeah, you have to be happy and show that. Uh, you know, if you're going to add a bunch of talent uh, at one position, I guess they did it right this year because I mean that that is a you know. I, from everything I've to- been told, that that was a clear weakness last year, just clear weakness on this defense, and it's not you. You can't you couldn't tell that. You certainly didn't come out of the Ohio State game last year with Ohio State offensive linemen saying Indiana was going to a bowl game. But I mean, <laughs> no, you know, listen. I mean, it's, no, it's, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, yeah, it's telling because that is a significant. It's one thing. It's a chip. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're in it and you're there every day, and you, you know, as a coach or even like a media member, you, you just sort of like trapped in that observational bubble of, well, I can't go. I'm not going to go look at every offensive line and defensive yeah, yeah, line yeah. In, the, in the Big Ten. But when 
you know, somebody who's up close and personal from the other side of the ball. Well, I went back and he had started that game against Indiana and played 60 snaps last year. So it wasn't just watching from afar. He played both of those games, yeah. the Ohio State uh, guard. Yeah. Josh Fryer yeah, is who yeah. we're talking about. He's from Indianapolis, so obviously he'll know Indiana fairly well as a program. Um, Louisville, really quickly, just turning the page, you know, you talked about the questions of sort of like Indiana's, how Louisville prepares for Indiana. Now they know it's Jackson, but they don't really know exactly what Indiana's going to emphasize offensively. Understandably, we heard Tom Allen say, you know, we know Jeff Brom pretty well, his staff pretty well, um, you know, his offense and his coordinators and his tendencies and all that kind of stuff. They also will have at least some experience with Jack Plummer. I don't know that he ever played in a bucket game, but Indiana will have watched him on film yeah. playing at Purdue. It does feel like if there's a, you know, and you don't want to overplay any of this too much because, it, it, you know, teams will prepare themselves a lot more than they'll prepare opponents, especially in a game this early in the season. But it does feel like Indiana has a bit of a preparatory edge because they can be pretty comfortable with some what Louisville's going to do, whereas Louisville probably is going to have more questions about Indiana. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, obviously they ran over, what was it, Murray State on Thursday, um, struggled against uh, Georgia Tech, but did come back from a big deficit in that yeah. game. I wasn't, you know, thoroughly impressed with Plummer. I mean, obviously, I don't know how much you saw of him when he was here or at, at Purdue, but um, obviously sort of more of a uh, one-dimensional quarterback than when I've seen Louisville the past couple of years going, you know, covering the ACC uh, with Malik Cunningham. So very different kind of Louisville scheme that, you know, I've seen in recent years um from from them and so I, I you know i don't know what the talent level is there you know i, I don't know how much you know he brought in obviously he, he, he brought in a bit but i'm curious to see what they look like because you know against georgia tech they did not look great even though they kind of came away with the win the one thing i will say for louisville again it's only two games um they look like they have a they, they look like they have a comfortability with number one i think they have some real team speed on the edges and at the skill positions in number two. I think you can already see Jeff Brom's ability. And of course we saw this at Purdue with Rondale Moore with, you know, David Bell and others, but um, Jeff Brom's already really comfortable figuring out where those guys need to get the football and how to get them the football in, in space. And I think this is, you know, in a way that obviously you know, Ohio state probably has more team speed, but Ohio state's in game one. Ohio state's probably keeping things vanilla for a variety of reasons. Not least the fact that it's, it's easing in a new quarterback. Ohio state's not going to get layered with its concepts. Indiana's got, I think, I think Louisville has advantages with two or three guys. Anytime they touch the ball out in space, it's going to be a problem for Indiana. And I think that when you talk about Plummer, it's, it, this game for Indiana is going to be about getting Plummer uncomfortable and getting him to make some mistakes. He threw two picks against Murray State. I have no idea what they were. Maybe they were both off a of receiver's hands. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, so, um, but, you know, he was at times at Purdue, you know, at, at times could get a little bit sloppy. If you can get him uncomfortable i think that's a better bet than thinking you're just going to win your one-on-one matchups outside oh absolutely and uh, you know defensively they're not going to be anywhere with the team speed ohio state has so that is going to be better for Taven jackson to sort of try to get in a rhythm like this is not going to be he's not gonna, this is not nearly as talented as a group obviously as uh, the one he faced in week one so um yeah, were you surprised that the line was minus nine? nine was, yeah. was what was what your thoughts on that i mean I, I get it in the sense that you've seen louisville beat a i mean georgia tech is kind of a wreck of a program pun completely unintended um in some ways right now and, and clearly still trying to sort of like rebuild and yeah, first yeah. year coach and you had a transfer quarterback and all that um so on the one hand you ask how'd you give up 28 points in one half on the other hand you shut them out the whole second half louisville i think hasn't allowed a point now in something like six quarters yeah um 
and they have beaten a Power 5 opponent where Indiana hasn't. And when that line came out, I mean, maybe the bookies knew something we didn't, but I'm guessing they they still didn't have full clarity on... It would just seem initially high to me on a neutral site with two teams the, that... The neutral yeah, side thing is, is uh, fair. High for, high for a neutral site game. But, I mean, obviously looking at Indiana's past is not... Uh, you know, you don't have tons of confidence in them sort of being able to score a ton of points. But uh, we'll see. I mean, this defense, I think, has a lot to prove. I think it'll come down to the, that like how they they do i think that'll kind of win the day or or not it's gonna be interesting and it is as you said one of these games that it feels like especially this early in the season if indiana loses it i don't think ball eligibility is off the table but it feels like winning it creates a really big opportunity because then suddenly if you can do that and then beat akron then you're three and one going into maryland you're guaranteed to have at least three wins with maryland and Rutgers as two of your next three games with a bye week in there as well it just sort of feels like and you know louisville may be thinking something similar with regard to this game. I would understand if they are, but, you know, it just feels like kind of a game where if, if you're going to have the kind of season you want to have, if you're Indiana, this is the kind of game you need to find your way to winning to set yourself up, give yourself a platform to be in a really good position. Because well, Louisville's probably better than, I mean, when you're talking Rutgers, Michigan State, um, Purdue, you know. Um, maybe Illinois. At this maybe point. Illinois too. So, because uh, they lost to Kansas, um pretty soundly so yeah i mean I, I think if you win this game you're feeling pretty good about bowl eligibility but also feeling good about how you kind of match up to the rest of the teams in the sort of back half of the schedule against the big 10 so yeah I've, i mean we, we basically said week three was the start of the season you know the preseason's over now they've got their quarterback now you, you, this is it this is week one <laughs> week one essentially uh it feels like a big game for indiana just you know how they want their season to go we'll leave it there we'll have a little more louisville well we'll have a ton more printed louisville uh, coverage. I'll see if I can find somebody who knows more about Louisville as a team to get on the podcast later in the week. But for now, he's Mike Nizel. I'm Zach Osman. I don't think I introduced any of us. So I'm not even sure I mentioned that. So they the don't podcast. know who they were talking to the whole time. If you if you got this on the podcast feed, you know what this is. Thank you so much for listening. They were expecting Maryland Cup notes. That's right. They were, they were just expecting Mike Loxley. They thought he was here. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon.